0: Hey! Thanks so much for tuning into the Leesburg Daily, a podcast. Let's just say a podcast that happens. Um, yeah, we've been in the book of Titus, and we're we're going to finish it this week. Um, again, my apologies for not being incredibly consistent here, um, but that is life. Sometimes we are in chapter three, and really the whole idea of chapter three has been. Um, Well, chapter two and three really is how to live as a Christian in the world, right? Like Titus chapter three, chapter two talked about how we live in the world. Chapter three, as we talked about last week in verses one and two, it gives us instructions on how to live in the world, you know, be peaceful and uh, look for good deeds, uh, uh, be a respectable member of society, engaged in society. Verses 3, so 1 and 2 in chapter 3 give us the instructions. Uh, Verses 3 through 7 give us the theological foundation as to the why behind it. Why should we live like this? The Christian's conduct in verses 1 and 2, Paul tells Titus that, that we need to be sensitive in two directions, toward the government and toward people, other people. The, the question is why? Why? So, so so then we look at verse 3. And it starts in a, um, the NASB, which is what I'm reading from today. Uh, it says, for, if you're reading the the NIV, I believe the NIV uh, re- removes the word for uh, in the beginning of, Verse three. Now that's somewhat of a uh, inconvenience because this word, this this connecting word here, connects it, connects verses one and two and verses three through seven. So it's important for it to be there. Now uh, he does not specifically tell his readers here whether he's addressing addressing the question of of why we ought to live this life or why we can live it, which are two different things, right? He's not really saying why we ought to. We're not sure if he's saying why we ought to or or why we are able to. But needless to say, probably, maybe, his material here answers both of those questions, why we ought to and why we can And it really all starts with the appearance of God's kindness and his grace look at verse three he says for for um well let's start by verse one and two remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities to be to be obedient to be ready for every good deed to malign no one to be peaceful gentle showing every consideration you know, for all men because or for we also once were foolish, ourselves disobedient and deceived let's look at those first three words foolish disobedient and deceived what's it mean to be foolish Uh, foolish disobedient deceived foolishness is is, in this usage it's a stubborn refusal to acknowledge the truth that's a good definition of foolishness in this context it's not um sometimes we equate foolishness with ignorance this isn't ignorance it's it's just a stubborn refusal a foolish uh uh, It's refusing to acknowledge the truth so we were once paul says we were once foolish notice how he's including himself in that as well we were once foolish disobedience he says It's a condition involving the choice to live in opposition to God. We were disobedient. We chose to live in opposition to God. Of course, we we all know what that's like. So we should live peaceably with all men. We should live as Christians in the world, engaging in the the political world as well as uh, with a... a, um, merciful kind eye to the world around us looking for good deeds to be able to do why because once we were foolish we were disobedient and we were deceived the third word he uses are deceived the, the, the now paul's been addressing the source of this de- deception which is false teaching now, now sometimes we're deceived by the influences of other people we're, we're led astray by wrong teaching or by poor uh, company. Um, whether it's religious leaders or philosophies or whatever in our world today. Think about the, the massive amounts of, of false teaching that's happening in our world today. Uh, the message throughout Titus and really Timothy and Titus has been very clear to stay away from these false teachers. Stay away from these people who are going to lead you, lead you astray. To cut and run. So whether we are deceived in our in our understanding or deceivers, that's the the, the perhaps a bigger issue. But the, the list continues here. He says we were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lust, lusts and, and and pleasures. As the list continues, the image becomes was well, bondage slavery you're enslaved to what passions and pleasures This is a life that's lived as if its purpose was to satisfy your own desires one after another, thinking over only about me and and whether I like it. This is this is the desire that leads many people um, into a, a, a world of meaningless sex uh, issues. This is a. This is what pushes people in into that realm of, of debauchery, of, of gluttony. Even it's not just sexual things. Think about the food we eat. The, the, uh, the, the, listen, we are quick to point the finger at people who have wild sexual issues, but we will quickly. Turn a blind eye to the gluttonous behavior we have. Living for passions and desires of our taste buds and our gut. <coughs> but Paul says that this type of life is, 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 is not what we're to be. We were once enslaved to various lusts and pleasures. Now Paul's already described this this old life of sensuality. In, in chapter two, verse twelve, he he, he mentions it. Um, in first and second Timothy, he mentions this, but here th- there's an added note of bondage. It shows that the lifestyle is an addiction. Once on this merry-go-round, it's difficult to to get off, and it's tough. Listen. Um, If you were to to, to to attempt to fast from food, for example, a certain type of food, I'm telling you, it gets tough. We've been doing a sugar fast since January 1st. No added sugars in foods. And it has been incredibly tough. And I can't even tell you. I mean, I've, I've uh, jumped off of that wagon and and fallen off of that wagon a couple different times, sometimes knowingly and sometimes uh, unintentionally. It's tough. It's tough to to deny yourself, at least for me, for good cake or cookies. E- anyway, n- notice here his, his push here is that at this point, these various lusts and pleasures are are an addiction, are are enslaved. He continues there. He he says, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Look at this. The the remainder of this list, um, this life deals with how we deal with other people. We lived in malice and envy. It characterizes the, the life that's really opposite of the faith. You know, we're to live in all... Godliness and holiness, not in malice and envy. (laughs) You're totally absorbed with the destruction of others in order to, to, to promote or preserve yourself. It's this manner of life that both brings hatred to the one living that way and also promotes hate to others. Paul says we've been there. But look at verse 4. But the rescue came. I love this. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared. Let's stop there. <coughs> when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared. What Paul's starting to do here is he's going to unpack a time uh, he wants to paint a, a an event in history for us To it's the hinge pin of our faith but when the kindness of our savior and his love for mankind appeared he saved us verse five says i love this what made the christian life a possibility in the event of history well, it's it's that time when the grace of God was manifest. What makes us able to live lives that look to others' interests and not our own, free from the bondage of of, of self satisfaction? Well, Paul says it's it's w- this moment of time when 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 the kindness of our Savior and His love for mankind appeared that He saved us. The thing between this passage and, and, and uh, this passage between God's kindness, which appears in Christ, the the embodiment of kindness, it's clear in the salvation his appearance brought. Now, what what's really neat here, and it might be accidental, but I don't know. In the Greek, the word Christosis, Christ. Christotis, Christotis Sounds very similar to the To the Greek Christos Which is Christ And I think that's kind of neat Suggesting maybe there's a Intentional interpretation of God's kindness On the onset of, of Christ Christos Christos Kindness Christ I don't know I think that's kind of neat The, the, the second term there, so so the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared. The second term, love, is is literally a love for humanity. God's fatherly love for humankind is declared to have been expressed in the incarnation of Jesus. I, I love I love this. Paul draws on the current religious theme. Of the advent of God, the 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 embodiment of, of Christ. That's the point where our hope, our deliverance comes. The appearance of Christ is the type of event that changes everything. And if you've if you've experienced Christ in your life, you know that's the case. It changes everything. Uh, Look back at verse 5. He saved us. When the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for us, uh, His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Not on the basis of the deeds that we have done. Well, that's Paul's there. I know it's in the middle of the sentence, but Paul's already addressed the types of deeds we had done. We're addicted to self-pleasure and envy and malice, hating one another. We were foolish and disobedient. That's what we had done that's what we had earned <laughs> excuse me he saved us not on the basis of the deeds that we have done in righteousness but in, instead according to his mercy I love this now this is a, a a thick passage here but let's read part of it and we'll and then we'll pick up the rest of it next time he saved us not on the basis of the things which we had done. In righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That's Paul's there. We have been saved, Paul says. But how have we been saved? Not on the basis of the things we've done, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit now there's I know there's great debate over this passage specifically and and what salvation means and is but and there's a lot of ink spilled well what are you what are you saying here Paul as far as what saves us well clearly we can all agree that God saves us. He said it's not on the basis of our deeds, but on what he has done. But I think it's clear to say that there are two elements that are important to point out here. Two elements. And I'm almost done for the day, but but hang with me. Two elements that are so important for us to understand. Uh, First of all, remember what Paul's addressing here. Hey, the, the... he had given instruction as to how to live in society, and now he's given the theological backing as to uh, as, as to either why we can or why we ought to. What's changed about us, or what should be changed about us? What enables us to live this type of life, or why we ought to live? Okay, do you understand the the, the thrust here? There's two things there that that are being answered. And he gives us then two indicators of that basis. It's God's outpouring of love. His kindness and his love showed up. And how did they then uh, interact with us? Well, look here. He saved us, verse 5. Not on the basis of the deeds we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus our Savior. That's Paul's. Well, how do we read this? What's that talking about? Most people would read this passage and say, well, Paul is very clearly talking about through the washing of rebirth and through the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, whether that washing, uh, the I, I'm not saying that the washing produces the rebirth and renewal or that the washing produces the Holy Spirit. But I'm also not saying that the washing is a, a spiritual washing of the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is this passage needs to be read in connection with passages like Acts 2, passages like Romans 6. Paul's very clearly talking about baptism here. And with that baptism, as we see throughout the New Testament, we see there's a connection to the empowering, the renewal, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. We have been saved, not on the basis of these we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Turn over, if you have just a second, look at Romans chapter 6. A very clear teaching. Remember the argument here of what's being taught against or, or taught for. This is why we should live as new people in a society different. Why, should, why we should live different from the world around us. What enables us to do that, or why ought we do that? Well, look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 6 as far as living with sin. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin so that grace may increase? <coughs> but may it never be. For how, sh- how shall we who have died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know? that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. What's he saying there? He says, says, hey, through baptism, we're joined with Christ in his death. There's a death that happens for us. Therefore, verse 4, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. How are we able to walk in this new type of life? It's because we've been reborn. Now, I'm not arguing for magic water, but I am arguing that there's something in that baptistry that that, that that has high significance, that should not be discredited by, by Christ-believing, salvation-seeking, Bible-learned people. Paul says, we've been saved not on the basis, back in verse Titus chapter 3, we've been saved not on the basis of the deeds we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration. Regeneration, a new life. The washing of regeneration that's clearly linking to baptism. And the renewing by the Spirit. Renewing by the Spirit, just as Paul says in Romans chapter 6, since we've been buried in baptism uh, and raised to a new life. Verse seven, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. As Titus wraps, as Paul wraps up this letter to Titus, he says in verses one and two how you need to be watching the world around you, how you deal specifically with government around you, and how you deal with other people around you, and then verses three through seven. <coughs> Excuse me. He deals with the why, either why we ought to or why we're able to. But it all comes down to what God has done, what Christ has done by saving us by 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 pouring out His salvation upon us. Christ Father if you have been uh, uh, through the washing of rebirth, as Paul would say here renewed by the Holy Spirit, then our obligation is to live. Not, not only are we able to live, we have an obligation to. As Paul says in Romans chapter 6, how can we t- continue to live in it? Or don't you know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Verse 4 in verse uh, chapter 6 of Romans Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves. For he who has died is freed from sin. Oh, I love that. And I love how harmonious these passages are. And so that's our our charge for the week. Why we ought to or why we're able to, both are answered in this passage. We ought to live in this newness of life because of what Christ has done for us. We're able to walk in this newness of life because the bondage of 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 slavery of sin has been broken, and we're able to not sin. We've been set, set free to not sin. And so, as we start this week, re- recall that Christian brothers, what our world needs is men and women who are who will engage passionately with the world around them in a biblical way, pointing people to the grace and the salvation of Jesus. For many people, the the, the the most clear Jesus that they're going to see each day is through me and you. And so let's live in such a way with our those in authority over us and those that live under authority with us. Let's live in such a way that we stand out so that the world can see the goodness of the grace of Jesus. That's what Paul's writing to Titus. That's what we charge each other with today. God bless. Take care. We'll see you next time on the Leesburg Daily.